So as a baby, a novice ruckus maker, how'd that go? That that first challenging conversation with a parent or a colleague? Pretty good, right? <laughs> I know for me, I have messed up so many difficult conversations. I, I, I still do it till today. Uh, I have to work really hard to navigate them well. But here's the thing. As a ruckus maker, as a leader, we are going to have challenging conversations consistently. And so it's something that we have to figure out how to do. Now, the key, I think, to navigating these conversations, uh, not easily, but maybe being better equipped to handle them, uh, would be focusing on empathy, focusing on service, focusing on curiosity and questions. And so today I unpack uh, handling difficult conversations and challenges, board meetings. Uh, we talk about how leadership and education is the service industry. And I, I have back a friend of mine who's on the show for the second time, Dr. Steven Weber. You're going to love this conversation. I know I sure did. And so, yeah, enjoy today's episode. Hey, it's Danny, and this is the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, a show for ruckus makers, which means you invest in your continuous growth, you challenge the status quo, and you design the future of school now. And we'll be right back after a few introductory messages from our show sponsors. Deliver on your school's vision with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Learn from Harvard Business and Education School faculty in self-paced online professional development specifically designed for pre-K through 12 school leaders. Courses include Leading Change, Leading School Strategy and Innovation, Leading People, and Leading Learning. Programs run from February 15th to March 15th, 2023. Apply by Friday, February 3rd. Enroll by Thursday. February 9th for our upcoming cohort at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. Teachers have the power to impact children's lives in almost immeasurable ways. As an instructional leader, as much as you'd love to provide every teacher the support they need to learn and grow, you can't be with every teacher in every classroom. TeachFX is a whole new way to provide instructional leadership at scale and in a way that's teacher-centered. Teachers use TeachFX to record a lesson and automatically get personalized, private feedback to guide their own self-reflection. See TeachFX for yourself and learn about our special partnership options for ruckus makers at teachfx.com BLBS. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at OrganizeBinder.com. Well, hey, Ruckus Makers. I am joined. This is actually, I think, for the second time where Dr. Stephen Weaver is joining me on the podcast. Uh, he just has so much wisdom and experience with leadership. You're going to love this conversation. Now, during his career in public education, he has served as a teacher, assistant principal, principal, director of secondary instruction, and executive director of curriculum and instruction. Dr. Weber, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Great to see you again, Danny. Uh, this is a blast. And so, uh, Stephen, I want you to bring us back, back in time uh, to a moment where you really, you told me you burnt a bridge with a parent and you were a young 22 years old. 
Now, you knew you did it too, because when this parent left the school, she slammed the door, is what she told me. Will you tell us that story? Yes, I was I was a first-year teacher. And as a first-year teacher, you have parents come in and they have issues with the way you handled student discipline, or they have issues with you sent a note home saying, my child is disrupting your class. And, you know, it's embarrassing that you're going to talk about my child this way. So it wasn't really that big of a discipline issue, but it was one of those issues that had kind of been persistent and I needed to, I needed to address it and let the family know that, you know, this is going on at class and it's disrupting class. And so the issue wasn't really that big, but when the parent came in, she was pretty hot. She didn't have an appointment to see me. She just came in at the end of the day after I'd been teaching all day. And she let me know that, you know, this is how it's going to be. And this is not the way you're going to talk to my daughter. And I, I looked her in the eye and I said, well, you can do whatever you like with your daughter and raise her how you like when she's at your home. But when she's in my class, these are my rules. And as soon as it came out of my mouth, I thought that was the wrong thing to say. But I'm 22 years old and she's probably 45 or 50 years old. And she's looking at me thinking, you just graduated from college. You're not going to talk to me that way. So it wasn't a very customer friendly approach and it wasn't the mm -hmm. right phrasing to use. But in the moment, I felt I felt a little backed in a corner. I felt like here she came in my class, stormed in mm -hmm. here without an appointment, is upset about a very, very small consequence. We're not talking a suspension or an ISS a small consequence, and she's upset. But instead of having empathy or instead of listening, I jump to, this is my class. She'll act the way I need her to in my class. And she's thinking, it's my daughter. That's why I'm here to talk to you, Mr. Weaver. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I want to ask you, so can you talk to me about leadership confidence? Because as a 22-year-old teacher with a parent twice your age, uh, it's easy to be intimidated. And, and you said even in this story retelling, right, you felt a little bit backed into a corner. You know, these days I'm, I'm 44 years old and there's times where I get intimidated when I'm around leaders, you know, I look up to or people that I just hold in high regard. So how do you navigate the turbulent waters between confidence and what some people call the imposter syndrome? It's very difficult. You, you have to learn. And I had to learn over the last 25 years of different examples, yeah. working as an administrator, working as a teacher. Hopefully I'm better now than I was then. I lead with questions. Maybe I would have pushed back with some questions instead of with a defensive answer. Maybe I would have asked, um, how would you prefer that I address this in the future. Mm. You know, there's nothing wrong with asking questions, putting the ball back in the other person's court. There's nothing wrong with showing empathy, but I think it is very difficult at 22 years old to show vulnerability. At that point, you're thinking they, they won't be doing this to the 30 year veteran across the hall. Why are they talking, talking down to me? And so when you are younger, it's difficult to have strategies it, it probably was the first time that had ever happened in my career where someone had come in and challenged me and challenged, um, basically they're challenging your class rules or your integrity. Why would you say my kid was wrong? My kid's never wrong. And, um, this is a parent that I was friends with. So I think when the parent has a positive relationship with you already, it catches you by the surprise the first time they're upset. But yep. we are a public school system. We do serve the community. And over time, I've realized that it's more about being a servant leader than it is about being right. At the end of the day, mm -hmm. some families will be upset with our decisions, but we need to be partners with families and we don't need to create a, a divide and the way I handled that situation that day is, is 
resonated with me the rest of my career. Hopefully, the next time I have a difficult parent meeting, I can look back to I didn't listen and I didn't ask enough questions and I didn't show enough empathy in the moment. Right. Yeah. I want to get to sort of the servant leadership and customer service side of things in a second. Uh, but I, I do want I want to ask you uh, drill a little bit deeper just into being challenged. And so you you talked about using questions right as one way to uh, have empathy and, and to navigate these difficult conversations. But you know I, I can't imagine as associate superintendent you know that you get challenged ever these days. But if you do, Stephen, like what what are some other things besides asking questions in terms of just handling right conflict and challenge? I can share one thing that's more difficult now than ever before for educators, and that's social media. Mm. Um, that parent came to my school, didn't have an appointment, but just stormed in and said, we need to talk. Usually in, in the old-fashioned days, you could have a conversation. Now the, the typical go-to for some families or some people is to go to Facebook or go to Twitter and say, this is the worst teacher I've ever had. This teacher's an idiot. How can they not understand my child? So now you're embarrassed in front of the whole world and all your community. And if you read social media yourself, it may really upset you. So now you have an emotional reaction before you ever have the parent-teacher conference or the phone call because a lot of people now, and it's kind of generational, but we show our frustration on social media. So it is becoming more and more difficult. But you ask me, what is my preferred preference? My, my number one preference is a face-to-face -face meeting where we can sit down, hear each other's sides, and have an adult conversation. That that works best for me. If that doesn't work, a Zoom meeting where it's still face-to-face -face or a phone call but I like face-to-face -face conversation versus email. You can lose the tone in an email. They can think that you're being defensive. And a lot of times your email can be a screenshot that then goes on a Facebook post. So yeah. I like having conversations where you can just show that you really do care about the child. And that's what we can agree on. You love your child and I care about your child. And we're both here to help your child succeed. And when you can get to that point, most families will come to the middle or come to consensus that, hey, you, you care about my child. And that was really hard during the last two years during the pandemic. A lot of school districts did not have face-to-face parent-teacher conferences or open house. So we currently have second grade um, students whose parents up until this year had never been in their child's school. Wow. And that's true across the United States and several school districts due to COVID um, shutdowns and different regulations and different school districts. Families have kind of felt pushed away. So we have to roll out the red carpet more than ever now because some families, their only experience has been a, an email. It's not been a face-to-face -face conference. So we really have to work hard to build relationships and to show that we truly do care about their child. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that sets up the next question quite nicely. You know, I know you believe in servant leadership and that, you know, leadership is about customer service. And I would agree with that. So what are some things you've seen leaders do really well that says we are, as educators, that we are in the service industry? I was at Owl Creek School this afternoon, and that's a school I enjoy visiting in our school district here in Fayetteville Public Schools. And when I go to Owl Creek, every time I go there, you think, well, the principal's the leader. I would say the leadership starts at the front desk. All of the staff that support and secretaries, bookkeepers, um, receptionists, everyone who sit at the front desk. And when they take turns, there are different people there. But it's consistent greeting at the front door, whether it's me or a parent. It's consistent, positive, welcome to our school. And it's consistent response to students who come in and have a need. It's never you're an interruption of my time. 
if English language is a barrier, they, they communicate with the families and find ways to communicate. If there's a barrier for the family, maybe a socioeconomic barrier, they find someone to support the family. But it's a customer approach, and it's never an interruption. I mean, if there are 500 interruptions during the day and the phones are ringing, they still treat people with respect and dignity. Then you go down the hallway, and the custodian is positive, the parents in the hallway, and teachers are positive. And so, you know, maybe the fifth or sixth person you run into is the principal, by this point, you've already made up your perception. I like this school. This is a positive culture or this is a toxic culture. So when I go to Owl Creek School, I think this is a very positive place. Would I want my child in this school? You immediately are thinking these things as an adult and you're making your perception based on how people treat you. So I would say a shout out to Owl Creek School and customer service is not just the principal, it's every adult in the building and how do they treat students and how do they treat guests? And I've watched it because I used to think, well, they just treat me that way because I'm assistant superintendent. But the next 10 people that come in get treated the same way I get treated. So I have a lot of respect mm. for all of our schools in the district, but that's one school in particular that really gets it on a consistent basis. So I think it's like sure. um, a restaurant or when you go to the, the airport and, you know, you have issues with your baggage. How are you treated? Are you treated with respect? Do people listen to you? And do you matter? Mm -hmm. Do they treat you like you're the most important person in the in the room? And that's how this school treats their their guests. Well, appreciate you highlighted them. I think you said Owl Creek Elementary. So uh, what a fantastic place Two, you know, a few things I want to pull out of the story and two things to add, you know, consistency. Right. Uh, so that's really important. It doesn't matter who you are, right? You could be the president of the U.S. You could be Dr. Stephen Weaver, or you could be, you know, quote unquote, just a parent or whatever. Everybody's getting this awesome service. And so I really appreciate that. And then you highlighted something too, uh, just the, the fact that your, your front office, right? That, that first touch point, what do people experience? So I, I just want to point out to ruckus makers the other day, by now, you know, it's, it's been out for months, uh, but I did a live video, which you can find on YouTube or Facebook, whatever. And uh, it was on design thinking. And what is your entryway of your school saying, right, to your community? What's that mess? Do they feel like they belong, that they matter, right? The second that they step into the building. Uh, and that's even before they get to the people. And then the front office staff, so, so important. So the thing I want to add there is that most ruckus makers listening, I'm sure you're already doing this, but there's a few of you that aren't. Uh, and anyways, are you meeting with your front office staff regularly, right? When I, when I was a principal down in Texas, I was surprised by two things. Nobody, no principal before me held regular meetings with the front office staff as a collective, right? And they did this, they didn't do that with the uh, custodians or the cafeteria staff either. And I'm thinking, what a missed opportunity. So the, the quick, quick story is with the front office staff, I started talking about like, what's your vision for this school, right? What do you value? How is it uh, based on what you do each day that connects to our, our, our bigger picture, what we're trying to accomplish as a school? And the interesting thing there, uh, Stephen, is that, you know, I didn't hire any of these people when I came into the school. One of them was the wrong fit. And I'm thinking, man, I'm going to have to fire this lady. Like, she's like terrible. Imagine the worst person you could have, right? And, and she made people feel bad when they walked into the school. Like, this is not a good look. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to fire her and fire her quickly. And when I started having these front office staff meetings regularly, casting vision, asking the team, how do you plug into this? 
what's the experience you want to create? This person resigned because she said, based on what you guys are all talking about, I don't want to be a part of a school like this. And I'm like, awesome, because we don't want you here, right? I didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking. So uh, I really uh, appreciate you, you know, you highlighting all those uh, sort of things. Can I touch Please on do. one other Please thing? Please do. Yeah, of course. As you were talking about your uh, design moment, um, designing yeah, yeah. moments, it reminded me of a book. I know you and I share a, a love for some of the same leadership authors. Sure, um, sure. Chip and Dan Heath wrote a book, The Power of Moments, which I know yes. we've talked about before offline. And in The Power of Moments, it talks about how can you design those moments in your school or in your business? How can you design moments that make the customer want to come back tomorrow? How can you make it so exciting that the kids go home and say, I can't wait to go back to school tomorrow? So The Power of Moments is a leadership book that really has a lot of applications to schools. Definitely. And uh, we read that within the mastermind and thought about like how that applies to our, our work. So we definitely recommend that to all the ruckus makers listening. So Stephen, I'm loving our conversation as I always do. We're going we're to pause here just for a second to get in some messages from our sponsors. And when we return, I would really like to ask you about difficult board meetings because like it or not, I mean, they're just happening, right? And our leaders uh, and listeners and ruckus makers need to know how to navigate those. So we'll be back in just a second. Get professional development without leaving your home. Harvard's online certificate in school management and leadership helps you establish your legacy and deliver on your vision for your learning community. Learn from Harvard faculty as you examine case studies of leaders in education and business. Since 2018, we're proud to have served over 6,000 school leaders from over 125 countries in 48 U.S. states. We are honored to welcome you to our July 2022 cohort. Apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. Hey, Ruckus Maker. TeachFX has been an incredible sponsor over the years, and they do great work helping educators be mindful and reflective about how their talk, right, and how much talk they have in a classroom impacts student learning. Now, don't just take it from me that TeachFX is awesome, and it surely is, but check out what some real educators have to say about using TeachFX in the classroom. What I love about TeachFX is it lets me see how myself and my students are interacting. Who's doing all the talking? Is it me or are they interacting with each other? It lets me see a snapshot of what's happening in my classroom so that I can improve what I'm doing. You know, when you have the ability to see the question you asked and hear the responses and it's that immediate feedback right there from TeachFX, it allows for teachers to really dive into their instruction. Today's show is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder develops the skills and habits all students need for success. During these uncertain times of distance learning and hybrid education settings, Organized Binder equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning routines so that all students have an opportunity to succeed, whether at home or in the classroom. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. All right, and we're back with Dr. Stephen Weber, who's the Associate Superintendent for Teaching and Learning at Fayetteville Public Schools. And as I mentioned before the break, I want to discuss board meetings, which have become very challenging, especially with some highly energized parents. Now, of course, we, we don't really want to discuss if uh, teaching this or that is wrong in terms of content and getting political, but I'm interested in how can we show respect to people that we actually 
we don't agree with, or maybe a hundred, you know, they violate a hundred percent of like actually our core principles, but we're still in the service industry and they're still humans and deserve to be treated with dignity. Uh, and even if they're bringing strong disrespect towards us. So yeah. How, how have you been navigating that these days? It's been challenging for public schools over the last two years. You've seen more and more public comment in some school districts. And in some cases, people don't want to have a dialogue. They actually want to come and say the school's wrong. The district is really wrong. So in cases where the district is wrong, we should listen and we should make change. Sometimes we are wrong as a school district. But what what I see a lot is people become very frustrated at board meetings because some districts give three to five minutes per person to speak. And then there's no there's no conversation because most school boards are not going to have a public conversation. It's called public comment. And so you have the right to comment. And then when the school board chair, or the superintendent or someone doesn't give feedback or show, yes, we're going to move in that direction, they become almost more frustrated. Like I left work early to come speak this evening and, and you're not even going to talk to me. So I think for families and community members, the biggest thing is to have those conversations with your district leaders. If it's a school issue, speak with your principal or with your teacher. If it's a district issue about curriculum, speak with a assistant superintendent for curriculum. But um, find ways to speak with people. I think people are very open to conversations because, like I said earlier, a face-to-face conversation. I can hear your side. You can hear my side. We can agree to disagree, but we can have a conversation. And school board meetings, in some cases, they're they're on YouTube or they're recorded live on TV. Mm-hmm. And what some people are seeing now is here's my five minutes of fame. I'll just go on there and I'll scream and yell and I will create a scene or I will tear down the school and say it's the it's worse than it was when my kids went there. The school's falling apart. Nobody should pay taxes for this school. And so, you know, as community, we should embrace our schools and embrace our teachers and our principals, and we should embrace the positive impact that a school can have on a community. So we don't need to destroy our schools through public rhetoric, but we do need to have conversation and dialogue. And that dialogue is hard to have at a school board meeting, which is only designed for public comments. So I certainly wish there would be more emails or more face-to-face conversations where someone says, I have a concern, could we speak? And I think most school districts would be open to the conversation rather than the the public lashing in, in front of everyone, which really doesn't leave the, uh, the school district room for a follow-up conversation. So there is room for public comment. It's a very important thing in city councils and in school districts. But if we're just going to tear down, that doesn't help the students that we all serve and want to succeed someday. And it really hurts teacher morale. A lot of teachers across the United States are really starting to wonder if they're staying in this profession because rather than being an honorable profession, a lot of the rhetoric has, has shamed teachers or said you didn't do enough during COVID or your your kids' NAEP scores have gone down nationwide. Look, teachers aren't teaching hard enough. So um, the negative rhetoric from adults to adults should probably be more of a constructive conversation held in private in an office or in a school and not in a public meeting. But you can't tell people what to say. There's freedom of speech and people have the right to say what they want to say. But I think in the way we respond to it, we can respond in a more conductive, professional manner, constructive manner if we have time to sit and listen in an office meeting face to face. Yeah, and you, you can really set yourself apart as a leader, too, if you, if you can uh, prioritize dialogue and conversation over conflict and disrespect. You know, I was I didn't even feel the energy, uh, but somebody was messaging me on Facebook 
They're like, I could take the comments down and this kind of stuff. They were just totally disagreeing, I guess, with what I was uh, teaching on a, on a video, you know, this kind of thing. But I actually just asked a lot, like bringing it back to the beginning of our conversation. I asked a lot of questions. I was curious about the person's viewpoint. Just wanted to hear the perspective. It wasn't going to change mine. And I don't think, you know, less or better of this person. But he was so taken aback that I was just asking questions and not trying to like, you know, just be some jerk about it. Uh, he's like, I really appreciate the dialogue. We don't have that anymore. I'm like, well, it's the best thing. So, you know, I I, I love what you uh, just shared there. And um, speaking of things, I give yeah, yeah. a lot of public presentations like you do. And I work with teachers and principals in our district. And so I give a lot of presentations. And recently I was speaking with Andy Core. He's a professional speaker outside of education. Okay. And I was speaking with him and he's a parent in our school district. And I was just asking him for some communication tips. Yeah. And he said, when you go on stage or before you go out to speak at your next meeting, he said, ask yourself, am I here to serve others or am I here to be served? Mm. He said, quite often in our message, we get so wrapped up in our PowerPoint or in our message or in our talking points that we deliver a message and it kind of falls on deaf ears because it doesn't feel like we're speaking or communicating to an audience. It just feels like we're delivering a keynote speech. Yes. And he said, if you ask yourself that question, you'll, you'll have a different mindset. You'll be more present with your audience. And I think the same thing could be applied in a one-on-one -on -one conversation in my office with a parent. You know, when I was 22 years old, it was like, this is my class. You're not going to storm in here and tell me how to teach. Mm -hmm. And now I think I could look at the parent and in my head think they're really upset. Am I here to serve them or be served? And as a public school administrator, my only role is to serve our students, our staff, our families, and our community. Definitely. So am I here to serve? Hey, I did something in uh, Adams 12 district, which is in uh, Thornton, Colorado, uh, outside of Denver. It's a speaker tip. It's a service tip, too. So I want to share it with you since we're here having a conversation. But it's for ruckus makers listening, too, especially if they find themselves speaking at a conference, that kind of thing. And uh, so here's what I do. Yeah. For sure. Am I here to serve? But I thought about all the things that I can talk about and what I think fall into what I would call my zone of genius, right? So I show up, I'm there to do a three-hour workshop and do my intro as I usually do and build up my credibility and stuff. And then I pause and I say, okay, here's a menu. Here's eight things that I'm awesome at, you know, talking about and helping leaders uh, develop. What do you want? Where do you want to take it from here? I don't care. I could talk about and I'm prepared to discuss any. And uh, the the director of uh, leadership development there said, I had never seen that before in a workshop where it's not like, you know, we're going to cover these three points. It's like, what do you want to do? And uh, that really impressed her. So, you know, if you could use that or the ruckus maker listening, uh, it makes it fresh and fun for me too, because I never know. <laughs> I don't know where we're going, right? I could talk about any of it, but uh, yeah, I don't know what they're going to pick. So anyways, I just wanted to share that with you really quick. I like that. Well, uh, I think before I get to the last few questions I ask all my guests, I know you're really invested in coaching, multiplying leaders and building the leadership pipeline. I don't know if you have a framework or some kind of approach, but when you're thinking about developing leaders, yeah, how do you do that? Do you have a framework? Do you have an approach? I don't know if I have a framework, but we started a brand new program just this okay. week. Yeah, great. And we, we call it the Instructional Leadership Program. So it's open to all certified staff in Fayetteville Public Schools. 
And the very first session was called Leading from the Middle. Sweet. So you don't want to become an assistant principal. We have an aspiring administrator program, and several people said, I'm a leader. I just want someone to recognize my leadership strengths and know that I don't want to become an administrator. I want to be a teacher or I want to be a counselor the rest of my career, yeah. but also want to be recognized as a district leader. And so sometimes when we say leadership program, we mean principal, assistant principal pipeline. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to um, build that pipeline. I told the superintendent, I said, if three to five people sign up for this, it's from four to six p.m., I'll be shocked. I had 80 people sign up in the first three days and I had to turn the registration link off. And then people started emailing me after number 80 saying, I'm trying to register. It won't let me in. I want in. I mean, we were we were thinking eight to 10 people and maybe 20 at the max. And so the first session, the first cohort this week had 42 people wow. and we've got a waiting list of over 50 people that I hope to, you know, do the same four sessions again in the spring. But another session is leading in a VUCA world since so much is disrupted in education. Yep. And the last session is writing an instructional leadership manifesto. Well, they, they will each write a statement where they say, this is who I am as a leader. This is my circle of influence in my school or in the district. And these are ways that I can continue to grow as a leader and lean into my own leadership strengths. So kind of just a personal growth, like what you do with Ruckus Makers and with Mastermind. It's a personal growth here in the district for no cost for certified staff. And that's something that we're doing now. And so we're very excited about that. And along with that, I think, you know, it's just handwritten notes when you see somebody doing something well. It's going over and having lunch with someone and just sitting down and having a lunch conversation. A couple of weeks ago, I met with some fourth grade teachers in our district, and I said, I'll get you lunch from anywhere in the community. Where do you want lunch from? And I thought they were going to go to an expensive restaurant because if somebody asked me for free lunch, I'd pick somewhere nice. And I was taking the lunch to their classroom during their during their planning period. I chose Chick-fil-A. I knew you were going to say Chick-fil-A. I knew it. I, I said, just are you it. serious? Yeah. I said, you don't want more of like barbecue or Mexican food or a restaurant? And they said, no, we want Chick-fil-A. That's what we all want. And I said, well, that's what we'll get. So we had Chick-fil-A and we spent an hour talking about teaching and learning and lessons learned this year from yeah. kids trying to recover from the last two years of education and um, just kind of having those conversations. So I think sometimes we can have a great big institute and a leadership program and other times we just have to go to where teachers are and meet them in their classroom. And whether we're a principal or a central office person, we have to have conversations in the hallways and we have to just ask people, you know, how, how is it going? Where are you now? Where do you want to go? How will we get there? How can I support you? This is leading with questions. And the other question that I like to ask people is what's missing? Just what's missing is a real open-ended question, but somebody will tell you, well, here's what's missing. We need training in this, or here's what's missing. We've got five kids in our class with behavior issues we've never seen before, and we need some training on how to support these students. So if you just say what's missing, a lot of people can either solve their own problem or they can help you address a, an issue in the system. So um, just leading with questions and being present and asking people what their needs are. And uh, it's, it's really just fun being a... Uh, being an educator during this time, you can look at all the negative and you can look at all that was disrupted, but kids need us more than ever now. So I love hearing the conversations about what teachers are doing to support their students. Yeah, it's great. What a profession to be in. It's it's the best. Uh, Steven, so if you could put a message on all school marquees around the world for a single day, what would your message be? Oh, he got me there. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> 
Let me let me come up with a message real quick. I think the the most important thing is treat each other with respect. Yeah. So staff treat each other with respect. Staff treat students with respect and dignity. Treat families with respect and dignity. And going back to when I was 22 years old, I gave her an answer, but I should have been more respectful. So no matter how hard the conversation is, treat each other with respect. Mm. I know I've asked you the the building your dream school question before. I'd like to ask it again because it's been a while since you've been on the show. So if, if you were building a dream school, Stephen, and you're not limited by any resources, your only limitations, your imagination, in building this dream school, what would be your three guiding principles? I think the first thing would have to be uh, problem-based learning. I, I like to see more PBL, just hands-on learning and problem-based learning. I don't know if I'm saying that right or not, but I know the PBL is correct. Is that right? Problem-based? Yeah. Well, some people say problem-based for sure. Other project people say project-based. That's the word so, I was looking for, project-based yep. learning. And so project-based learning would be my dream school. More project-based learning and more hands-on learning and inquiry and less sitting in desks and more um, creating. So my second principle would be less consumption and more creation. And that would be a project-based learning school. You have students who are creating, and I'd like to see more creation in schools. And the final thing that I'd like to see in a school this is going old school, so this is not new, but I think we need to bring it back. I'd like to see more habits of mind from Costa and Cowlick. Yeah. Habits of mind has not gone away. Some people now have blended it into social-emotional learning and other other instructional strategies or frameworks, but I really would like to see a school, and there are schools around the United States that do this well, and I think when we talk about employability skills the habits of mind is something we could do a better job of. But we, after the pandemic, we thought kids are so far behind, we need to teach more content. But if we had the content and the habits of mind, I think we'd produce a college graduate who who is really um, ready for college, career, military, or any option. And so I think there are a lot of things we could do better in schools, but project-based learning, creation versus consumption, or, and, and definitely a student who contributes. And the final thing is, a uh, school that operates around habits of mind. Sweet. This is great. And uh, that would be my dream school. Sounds like I would like love a- to, if that school's out there, call me because I'd like to come visit your school. <laughs> That'd be awesome. And I'm going to connect you after the podcast. And this is for the ruckus makers listening to uh, Kyle Wagner over at transformschool.com. He's a great friend of mine and he really does incredible stuff with PBL uh, and certainly encourage you to uh, check him out. And just what a yeah, I'd love to talk to him. Yeah, for sure. And he has this idea of uh, called the twelve shifts, right? In PBL, like from a traditional classroom to a PBL focused classroom. What are those twelve shifts you need to make? So again, that's a uh, Kyle Wagner. He's at transformschool.com. Well, Stephen, we covered a lot of ground, and this was another awesome conversation. I think of everything we talked about. What's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? I think the biggest thing from today's conversation is that you have to seek first to understand. Mm. And I know that's not my original, that's Covey, but you have to seek first to understand whether it's a coworker, a parent, a community member. The nation seems to be divided right now more than ever, whether it's education, politics. We recently had elections. Um, there, there are topics in the world right now that are just more divisive. And it seems like it's hard to talk to your coworker or best friend because you don't know which side they're on and you don't know if it's going to create tension. So just seek first to understand 
and listen and be empathetic and try your hardest not to get the final point, because that's what got me burned at the beginning of this podcast was trying to get the final word and let that parent know this is my class and not having a servant leader mindset. So hopefully I've matured and grown over the years. I still make mistakes, but I want the customer to always be first. And, you know, in public schools or in any type of school system, if we don't embrace the the customer service and the servant leadership mindset like Owl Creek School does, um, our, our customers are going to walk. They're going to go to other school systems and they're going to find other places that um, do provide the system that that is customer friendly. So we have a lot to focus on in education and it's a really hard job, but it's also a very rewarding job to know that we are serving other people's children just the way somebody served us when we were eight years old and we were the student. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed. Mm-hmm.